Down the road from my house stands an old church. On the sign is the name of the church, Knox Presbyterian. Across Canada, where I live, old churches are found in the city, small towns, and countrysides, and many of them have the same name, Knox Presbyterian. Who is Knox, and how did the Presbyterians come to be? Last week's episode talks about how the Church of England started. King Henry, Edward, Lady Jane Grey, Bloody Mary, and Queen Elizabeth. To understand today's story, you really have to know last week's story. So if you have not listened, please go back and listen to it. Here is the story of John Knox. John was born in 1505. His father, William, was a merchant, and the family was what we would call today a lower to middle class family. When John was very young, his mother died. John did well in school and he was able to go on to university. He ended up moving into the area of the priesthood. He wasn't actually interested in the priesthood, but he ended up going in that direction because, well, it was the flow he was in. In 1536, John became a priest. Now, John was a very short man. He had a long face and a very long beard and harsh and loud voice. He was brash, harsh, and often seen as unmannerly. In 1525, Scotland banned all Lutheran books. Anyone found with one of these books would be imprisoned and the books would be burned. At this time, a preacher named Patrick Hamilton came on the scene. Patrick was part of the noble family very wealthy and very educated. He had traveled to Germany and studied under Luther. When he returned, he was on fire for God and preaching reformation everywhere he went. A man named Cardinal Beaton asked Patrick Hamilton to come for a debate. Patrick agreed quickly. It was a chance for him to show the reformation teaching came from the Bible and not from man's teaching. Patrick arrived in the city and was met by men who arrested him, brought him before Cardinal Beaton. Patrick Hamilton soon learned he was not there for a debate, but a trap. Cardinal Beaton had a quick trial, found Patrick guilty, and sentenced him to be burned at the stake. He was burned just a few hours later. On the same day that Patrick had arrived for the debate, he was dead. In less than 24 hours, he had been arrested put on trial, found guilty, and burned alive. The outrage over the death of Patrick Hamilton spread quickly throughout Scotland. Knox, hearing about the death of Patrick, was both shocked and appalled. Knox was 23 years old at the time and new to the priesthood. He could not understand why the man had been killed and so quickly and so unjustly. At the same time, another man named George Wishart was also preaching. George had found the Greek Bible that had been translated by Erasmus and started to read it. He ended up traveling to England where he met Hugh Latimer, Thomas Cramner, and became friends with them. He was part of the group that met at the White Horse Tavern. We talked about that in our last episode. 
Now, George Wishart was a very tall man, and he preached wherever he could. He returned to Scotland, and Knox heard him speak. Then Cardinal Beaton asked George Wishart to come for a debate. George answered, I smell the burning flesh of Patrick Hamilton. George Wishart did not take the bait. Cardinal Beaton then sent for an assassin to kill George. After the service, George was meeting with people, talking to the congregation, hearing their prayer requests. Suddenly, a priest pulled out a knife and tried to stab George in the stomach. George, being a very tall man, swerved and the knife grazed him. Immediately, men grabbed the priest and began to pull him out of the church. It was clear to everyone that priest was about to be killed. But George ran after them. Stop! If anyone hurts this man, they will have to deal with me. The men slowly let the priest free. He fell to the ground crying, begging George to forgive him. The very tall priest walked forward and then stood before the man. He told him to get up. He was forgiven. And that day, it became clear that George would need bodyguards, and Knox signed up for the job. So one of the tallest men in the city was guarded by one of the shortest men in the city. In 1543, the Bible became illegal in Scotland. Cardinal Beaton continued to arrest and kill anyone who was caught reading the Bible or Lutheran literature. Eventually, George was arrested and Cardinal Beaton held a trial. It was Cardinal Beaton who would decide his guilt or innocence, so George had no chance. He was found guilty of being a heretic and killed. Finally, after some time, the Protestants in Scotland were tired of this and decided to take matters into their own hands. They stormed the castle where Cardinal Beaton lived. Cardinal Beaton ran to the room and closed the door. He then pushed furniture in front of the door to block the mob. But soon they were at his door, breaking through the door and through the furniture. Cardinal Beaton began to cry out, Don't kill me! I'm a priest! I'm a priest! The mob broke through the door and killed him. They then took his body and hung it outside for everyone to see. They left his body there until it began to decay. And then they took it down and threw it in the dungeon where Beaton had thrown so many of his prisoners. Now the mob knew what they had done was illegal and they were most likely going to be tried and killed for it. So they barricaded themselves inside the castle. Their families went to the castle to join them. As the families were going to the castle, they asked Knox to come with them. You see, they needed a teacher for their children. Knox agreed, and that's how he ended up living in the castle with the mob who had killed Cardinal Beaton. No one was really upset that Cardinal Beaton was dead, so the group lived basically peacefully as long as they stayed in the castle. Knox really enjoyed teaching the children, and when he taught them Bible classes, all the parents would come to hear him. It soon became clear they wanted him as their pastor. But Knox refused, and he locked himself in his room for days, just hoping everyone would stop asking him. But during that time, he felt God telling him he was their pastor. And that's how Knox became a Reformed pastor in Scotland. But then the French showed up. Now the French were very Catholic, 
and very angry with the mob who had killed Beaton. The French army surrounded the castle for two months. The people living inside lived in fear, wondering what would happen. After two months, the army broke through the castle and captured the men living there. Knox, who was seen as the leader, was taken as a galley slave. Knox, of course, had nothing to do with the killing of Cardinal Beaton, but by the time the French showed up, he was their leader. The life of galley slave was the hardest thing Knox would ever go through. Chained to his fellow slaves, he spent his days and nights at the bottom of the boat, rowing, rowing, rowing. There were no bathroom breaks. When you had to go, you went, and then you sat in it. The smell was horrible. The slaves were given very little to eat, and almost every slave had galley fever. When a slave died, he was simply unchained, tossed overboard, and a new slave was brought in to take their place. The slaves were also forced to participate in Catholic Mass. The French soldiers had a wooden statue of Mary. For fun, they would take the statue to the Protestant slaves and force them to bow to the statue. One day, they came to Knox. Bow to Mary. Knox looked at them. His eyes were like fire. In one sudden move, his arm jerked forward, grabbed the statue from the hand of the French soldier, and threw it into the water. A soldier ran to the edge of the boat to look, while the rest of the soldiers stood in shock. Knox laughed. Let your Mary save herself. She can float. If not, she should probably learn how to swim. The statue floated away, and from that moment on, Knox was never again asked to participate in Mass. But shortly after that, Knox became very sick. The fever had him. He had to keep rowing. If they saw that he was too sick to row, they would simply toss him overboard. Each hour he got worse, and he cried out to God to give him strength to row and keep him alive. The hours turned to days, and Knox found himself in a pit of hopelessness. Sick, tired, the only thing keeping him alive were his prayers. He learned what prayer, without ceasing, really meant. In those dark hours, Knox was transformed into a man of prayer, and from that time on, Knox became famous as a man who prayed and whose prayers were answered. Knox did recover, something that didn't usually happen to galley slaves, but he was a new man. He preached as he was rowing and became the preacher to the slaves. Eventually, he was set free and found himself in England. At that point, England had a boy king, King Edward, who was Christian and was helping the Reformation. As Knox was preaching, Edward heard of him and had him come to a meeting. Edward asked Knox to preach in a small town that was known for its thieves and its murderers. Knox was now a man of no fear and went to preach in this town without hesitation. And as the gospel spread through the town, it changed. Many Scottish people were in England now and the gospel was spreading quickly. 
Then Knox met a young lady named Marjorie. Now Marjorie was from the Tudor family, a very wealthy family, royalty. And royalty had one thing that was most important, the bloodline. You did not marry for love. You married to grow your bloodline and your family value. When Marjorie agreed to marry Knox, this short, ill-mannered preacher from the wrong kind of town that came from a Scottish low family that had been a galley slave because he was part of a mob that had killed a priest, the Tudor family was not okay with it. But Marjorie loved Knox and Marjorie loved Jesus Christ and they were married. Marjorie and Knox had a great relationship and a loving marriage. Marjorie was known for being beautiful, sweet, kind-hearted, gentle. Knox was known for being short with a long beard, harsh, ill-mannered, and no fear. They were a funny match, but a perfect match, and they loved each other. Then suddenly news came. Young Edward had died. He had left his throne to his friend and cousin, Lady Jane Grey, but just 10 days later, Lady Jane Grey had been beheaded and now Mary was on the throne and she wanted to kill every Protestant. We talked in great detail about this in our last episode. Like many Scottish, Knox left England at this time. His friends that he left behind would be killed. Knox and his wife Marjorie moved to Geneva and that's where Knox becomes friends with a man named Calvin. We're going to talk more about him in a few weeks. His prayer, though, was always to return to Scotland. Now, Spain is still in the middle of the Spanish Inquisition. Bloody Mary is on the throne in England. It's really not safe anywhere but in Geneva. In 1558, in utter despair, Knox writes a book called The First Blast of the Trumpet Against Women. In this book, he blasts the leadership of women and claims that no woman could possibly be a good leader. As he wrote the book, women were really running the world and it was a disaster, so it's understandable. But as the book is being published, Bloody Mary dies and Elizabeth takes the throne and freedom returns. In fact, everyone loves her and Elizabeth is a fantastic leader. So Knox looks pretty silly in publishing his book. Knox then returns to Scotland and begins once again to preach. Mary, the Queen of Scotland, dies and her daughter, also named Mary, becomes queen. We know her as Mary, Queen of Scots. Now Mary is the Queen of France and Scotland and lives in France. Mary had been on the throne since she was six days old. Her father, King James V, died fighting Henry VIII. Now you'll remember from last week, Henry had left the Catholic Church and started his own church, the Church of England. And he wanted King James to join him in leaving the Catholic Church. But King James was a very strong Catholic. Henry was also the uncle of King James. But they went to battle and James was killed. So Mary became the queen. But because she was only a few days old, she could not rule. So a civil war broke out between the Protestants and the Catholics about who would run the government until Mary was old enough to rule. 
the Protestants won and took control of the government. It was also decided at that time that Henry's young son, Edward, would be the husband of Mary. Now, both Edward and Mary were simply children at the time. Cardinal Beaton, you'll remember him from earlier in our story, kidnapped baby Mary and took her to a secret location to make sure she would stay Catholic. This made Henry attack Scotland and demand that Cardinal Beaton bring Mary out of hiding. Cardinal Beaton and Mary's mother had her sent to France to learn how to be Catholic royalty. In 1558, Mary was wed to a man who became the King of France, King Francis II, but just one year later he died. Meanwhile, back in Scotland, the Protestants have control and make it illegal to practice Mass, and the Church of England is officially made, and it's known as Presbyterianism. It spreads quickly. Catholic churches are closed, and money from their land is given to the poor, or the churches are turned into schools where everyone is welcome to come and learn. Knox makes it clear that no Catholic priests are to be harmed. He also makes sure they are given homes and land to live in. Things were going really well in Scotland, but then Marjorie gets sick and dies. Knox is heartbroken. Marjorie was the love of his life, his companion, and his dream had always been to live in his homeland of Scotland with his wife. Now, finally in his homeland and seeing the gospel spread, he loses his wife. One year later, Mary, Queen of Scots, moves from France to Scotland. The first day in Scotland, Mary holds a mass. Knox is furious. His Scottish temper boils over. But everyone loves Mary. She's young, beautiful, hosts wonderful parties, and is the kind of person everyone is attracted to. Knox seems to be the only person in Scotland not taken by her charms. Knox, though, is also very popular with the people, and Mary, Queen of Scots, decides she needs to get Knox to like her. So she has a meeting with Knox, but Knox will not be taken by her charm. When Knox preaches a sermon against Mary's parties and her dancing, she has him come to see her. But instead of Knox being afraid, he preaches to her. When he leaves, Mary has only one thing to say. He is not afraid of me. Eventually, Mary decides that Knox is going to need to die, so she has a trial for him. Knox comes to the trial and asks to speak. He begins to preach, and after some time, Mary calls out, You forget yourself, Knox. You're not in your pulpit. The council votes and finds Knox not guilty. They were more afraid of Knox than of Mary, Queen of Scots. Mary says later, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than the armies of England. Around this time, Mary sets her eyes on her cousin Lord Darnley for marriage. Now this marriage was not because of love, but this marriage would give her the right to the throne of England if Elizabeth was to die. John Knox actually preaches an entire message condemning Mary for wanting to have this marriage. But Mary does wed her cousin, Lord Darnley. Just as her first husband died suddenly after their marriage, the second husband also dies mysteriously when an explosion happens. 
The only suspect is a man named the Earl of Bothwell. But Mary, Queen of Scots, won't have the case looked at. And then Mary and Bothwell are engaged and married shortly after. The nobles were outraged and demanding justice. At this time, Mary has an infant son from Lord Danley named James. At this point, Mary is angry with the nobles and turns her armies on the nobles. But Mary loses the battle and is taken to a prison. She escapes prison and runs to England, asking Elizabeth to help her. Elizabeth agrees to let Mary stay with her. Mary, the Catholic Queen of Scots, is no longer in Scotland. By 1567, Presbyterian faith is the only faith left in Scotland. At the age of 50, Knox marries again, this time to a young girl, only 17 years old, and the couple have three daughters. In 1570, Knox suffers a stroke, but he continues preaching and praying for the next two years. In 1572, Knox dies with his wife sitting next to him, reading 1 Corinthians. What happened to Mary, Queen of Scots? Well, a plot to kill Elizabeth and put Mary, Queen of Scots, on the throne was exposed. Mary was put in prison for 19 years. Finally, after 19 years, she was given a trial and found guilty. On February the 8th, 1587, Mary, Queen of Scots, was beheaded for treason. Her son, King James VI, accepted his mother's execution, and when Queen Elizabeth dies in 1603, King James becomes the King of England, Scotland, and Ireland. This son is actually very important to church history. It was the son of Mary, Queen of Scots, King James, who took the throne from Queen Elizabeth, who is famous for the King James Bible. We're going to talk about that in a later episode. In the meantime, for more podcasts, blogs, and videos, please go to my website, lauraleesiemens.com. I'll see you next week.